Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Galatians chapter 4, verse number 17. The Bible, the Holy Bible says, They zealously affect you, but not well, yea, they would exclude you that you might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected, always in a good thing. And not only when I am present with you. All right. Let's look at verse number 17 and see if we can get some truth here. Some practical truth. It says they zealously affect you, but not well. Do you know that everybody wants converts? They all do. The J-dubs want converts. The Mormons want converts. All types of religious sects want converts. The Republicans want converts. The Democrats want converts. Everybody wants converts. We have to be careful. The Bible says they zealously affect you, but not well. Um, And he's talking about who's the they, at least in the context here, it's these legalistic Judaizers that are trying to bring law into grace. We know that from studying Galatians in the past few months. In 2018, here's some statistics for you. The Jehovah Witnesses had over just over 300,000 new converts worldwide. That's a lot of converts. In 2019, the Mormons had just under 250,000 new converts. Again, a lot of converts. I'm going to shift gears a little bit because I want you to see the full context that everybody's looking for converts. And we, we might raise some eyebrows, maybe not in here, but maybe on Internet land. QAnon has raised millions of converts. Now, this is an organization that says that President Trump is waging a secret war against elite Satan-worshipping pedophiles in government, in business, and in media. If you've not heard of QAnon, it's just Google it if you haven't already. They believe, their followers believe, a day of reckoning will come. Uh, They believe that prominent people in in government will finally meet their due process and be arrested. Here's how now what all converts need is a way of communication. All religious organizations, all political organizations, all business, all anything needs a way of communication. They communicate. Basically, Q stands for a level of U.S. security known as Q clearance. I'm going somewhere with this. The messages that go out are named as Q drops. True believers contend deliberate misinformation is built into these Q forums and these Q messages um, so that no one can really get a handle on what's really true and what's not true. You know what else is built into organizations and groups? A language system. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. This Saturday, uh, the kids and I went over to Bend of the River and they had their first, um, you know, BB rifle um, lesson and, and it's kicked off the season. And it was a four hour thing. It was from eight to twelve. And um, you know what the instructor said? The first thing he said, all of this is about learning the language. 
You have to learn the words and the definitions, and then you'll get it. And he did. He taught him why a rifle is called a rifle for the rifling, and he taught him all the calibers, and then he taught him the difference between a rifle and a shotgun. And it, you know, he went. He taught the kids all this stuff. It was really good. But it, all of it was learning the language. They zealously affect you, but not well. We need to be aware how much other groups affect us if it is not well. Now, the QAnon converts, um, we said 300,000 JWs in 2018, over uh, 250,000 of Mormons in 2019. Social media and opinion polls show there are at least hundreds of thousands, if not topping a million people who believe in at least some of what is put out by QAnon. Now, my motive is not this morning to tell you to be for or against QAnon. I'm using this in, a, in an example because it's, as the modern church says, it's something that's culturally relevant. And we think of converts religiously, but we need to think of it in the context to make some practical application today. It's all around us. And so here's the question and here's the title of the sermon this morning. What is your motive? What is my motive? What is this organization's motive? And when I say organization, I don't mean one particular one. I mean all of them. Motive is important. We want to know what are you really after? Paul is getting to the heart of the matter, and he's making some personal arguments here. We looked at some of them last week. But these legalistic Judaizers are zealously affecting Paul's converts to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's some problems we looked at with law coming into grace. One of the marks of a false teacher is not that they are zealous for converts. That doesn't make them false. Because every business, every political organization, every social outfit, they're all after converts. That is not the mark of a false teacher. And the mark of a false teacher is not that they are aggressive for converts. I mean, praise the Lord. We, we were out Friday night. It was a little bit snow sleet and, and, and Hannah, she wanted to do the Facebook live. And so she was excited about that. So she did that. And she said, dad, why don't you, why don't you, I said, well, why not you? No, you no. And so she, you know, got the phone and put the live on and she put me on the spot and said, go ahead, dad, let you. We're pretty aggressive for new converts. If they're not out on the street corner, I mean, the cars are, you can't really preach to cars. It kind of looks weird. <laughs> Why is that guy yelling at cars? Well, so we went to the Facebook live. We'll just go to the people because people eyeballs will go and see that. But we're zealous for converts. That's not the mark of a false teacher. Here's the mark of a false teacher. And here's what Paul is trying to warn these Galatians. When someone is out for personal gain for themselves and they do not care about the good of the followers, they're only after their own good. Is that QAnon? 
I don't know. Is that our political system of government right now? It doesn't seem like that. Does Trump, has he done some good things for us? He has. What's his full motive? I don't know. I don't know. But I know we can all have an opinion about the Democratic Party. We can all have an opinion about the Republican Party. We can all have an opinion about QAnon and the Patriot Party and all of this. We can all have our opinions about that. But that should not be what holds us together. As converts to the Lord Jesus Christ, what must hold us together is the truth of the Bible. We must rally around the things that we agree on scripturally and spiritually and not become divided because of everything that's dividing our nation. Our nation may be divided. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ will not be divided. We must stand on that truth. We are not looking for personal gain. You turn on the news. I turn on the news and somebody says it was a coup. What happened at the Capitol? You turn on another station. It wasn't a coup. Here's why you turn on another station. They say it wasn't a coup, but it is a coup. And here's why it is a coup. And here's how we can refute what they said. By five o'clock, you don't know who's telling the truth. Too many preachers are wasting their time getting involved in politics and then spiritualizing it. And they take it to an extreme where all of that time, all of that effort, all of that energy could have been put into gaining some converts to the Lord Jesus Christ who won't ever deceive them. I can study for 45 minutes the Bible. I'm praying and I'm studying last night till almost 10 o'clock. Would you rather have me studying this book rather than listening to Bill in news channel, ABC news channel for 45 minutes, and you're going to get more of the same. I'm telling you, the pulpit is losing power because otherwise good, sound, Bible-believing preachers are wasting their time trying to change a system that is corrupt and always will be corrupt. Tares will always pop up in the world. You will not get rid of the tares. Trump has more money than us. He has more power than us. He has more influence than us. He has more followers than us. He has more family that are behind him than us. And look at what they have done to him. We're a drop in the bucket. Let's care about each other. Let's make sure we're doing the work of the ministry. This is not a don't vote message. I vote. I want you to vote. This is not a don't have an opinion or a conviction on either side message. I have mine. And we chat about them after. Look, all oh, that's fine. What I'm saying is we need to be real, real careful. The Bible says in Psalm 71, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. You know what's happening right now in this world? Confusion. That is right. 
go over to Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. Look at verse number 1. Remember we looked at they zealously affect you in Galatians. We'll look at Romans 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Um, we're not Israel, but my prayer for the United States is that people would be saved. Is that your prayer? Then why would you march on Capitol Hill with a sign that says, Crazy Nancy's a liar. Sleepy Joe should be in jail. Why don't you march on Capitol Hill and have a sign that says, Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Why don't you have a sign that says you must be born again? Why don't you have a sign that says the wages of sin is death? Why is the message when Christians go down from the bullhorn political? My fight's not politically, although I will vote, although I will have my side. The church's battle is a spiritual battle. All these preachers give up ground when they don't use the opportunity. If you're listening and you're a young preacher or you're a, a young guy that wants to get into the ministry, you can have a you can have you can have crowds like Billy Graham had in the 50s. You can preach to thousands of people just like you can be just like Billy Graham in the 1950s. You know how? Go to one of these big rallies and instead of waving a fill in the blank name flag wave the flag of jesus and preach open air about jesus christ you'll have thousands of people that will listen because they ain't going nowhere and you, you could do a facebook live and say see i'm preaching to thousands of people now wouldn't it be worth it if one soul got saved off of that i know there's a spot and a place and a time for it I am talking specifically about the function of a New Testament Christian church. I'm not talking about your personal life. If you're a political activist, if you're a Christian that is involved in, I'm not talking about any of that. I am talking specifically about the function of a New Testament church. We are told to go out and preach the gospel. Now we're looking at this affecting, um, and this zealous affection. So look at, for I bear them record in verse 2 of Romans 10. That they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. Have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. We're trying to figure out who's right. And who's wrong. And we forget that God's always right. And all these fellows are wrong. I'm not putting my trust in the in, in governing in, in a body of governing men. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believe it. When Paul is speaking about in Galatians 4, when he says they zealously affect you, these Judaizers, 
They're affecting you in this way. They're pretending to be interested. They're pretending to listen. They're pretending they actually care about your well-being, but they don't care about your well-being. They're not interested in my welfare or your welfare or our ideas. And that's why he says, let's go back to Galatians. That's why he says they, they zealously affect you, but not well, meaning it's not well meaning. It's not well. It's not good for you the way or the motive that they are trying to affect you. That's why the title of the message is, hey, what's your motive? They have another end in mind. And ladies and gentlemen, it's not your good. And this is what Paul is trying to warn these Galatians. They are zealously affecting you guys, but it's not good for you. Their motive, it's not right. It's not good for you. It, then he goes on to say, yay, they would exclude you. If a false teacher can get who you listen to out of the way, he's got you. He can use his plan, which is all about it's, it's his plan for his good. The motive is him or her, not the good of the group. Paul's trying to draw this out and let them know, look, you guys are falling back. I know you're new converts, but you're going back. Grace is much better. If you can get somebody to lose their affection for someone. Then you can control them. And this is what Paul is standing in the way of. We, I'm not going to go so far back because we preached it so much through Galatians. They're going back. And they're. They, th these Judaizers know that they have an affection for Paul. If these legalizers can get these people, these Galatians, to lose their affection for Paul, they lose trust in Paul and in the message that he gave them. And now where's the only place to turn? To the Judaizers. And they got him. And Paul's trying to bring this out so they don't get confused. Now, here's how it goes in a church. And um, the senior saints, you've been around a lot longer than I have. You've been in church a lot longer than I have. A false teacher or a problem person is going to come into a church. And the first thing you can know if he's a mark of a false man is he's going to try to pull away a little group to himself. He's going to try to alienate one or two or a group of people away from what the pastor's message is or the leader's message is or the church's message is. And they do not and they will not see their goal or their ministry in life to be successful until they do this. They have to undermine the ministry. Once they undermine the ministry in your mind, then they got you. This happens all the time in churches. 
And this is why it says, yay, they would exclude you. The mark of a false teacher is to get your affections away from the group and get your affection on them. They will take you out to lunch and say, have you ever heard of the doctrines of the sovereignty of God? Which would be code for, okay, this is Roman Catholic Calvinism. Now, if you believe in the five points or the four points or the three points of Calvinism, I can just give you a directory of those churches that believe that. Why don't you go there? Because their motive is, look, this isn't a message about, we're not a Calvinistic church, but this is not a message about why we're not Calvinist. This is a message of, wait a minute, why didn't you go to the Reformed church down the road? Because your motive is you want to come in here and you want to stir up strife. And they're not going to come to the pastor. They're going to come to somebody in here. And they're not going to go to the gray hair. They're going to go to the younger, full-headed hair that they can get some pull with because they don't have as much life experience. What are they going to do? <laughs> because the gray hair is going to say, look, son, how about I take you out for lunch? <laughs> This is, this is the way it goes. It's the way it goes. What's your motive? And then it says in Galatians chapter 4 in verse number 17, at the end of the verse, that ye might affect them. That ye might affect the legalistic Judaizers. What does that mean? They want you to be zealous toward them. And the separation it is designed so that you seek after them. And Paul, if when I study out Galatians for, for the last so many months, it, it just is amazing to be just how good Paul argues. He's a master at it. I mean, it's full of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is directing him. We know that. We know the Holy Spirit penned this using, right? We, we know all of that. But isn't it it's just amazing to me how he's always a step ahead? All cults have the same characteristics. They have extra biblical authority. That means a leader is honored. Now, independent Baptists, we need to be careful of this because over the years, they have been known as a group to fall into this category where the Baptist Pope <laughs> is the authority and the Bible isn't. Now, prayerfully, that isn't our problem here and with the churches that we fellowship with, but nonetheless, Baptists are not excluded from this. Charles Taze Russell for the J-Dubs, Joe Smith, fill in whoever your political guru is, extra biblical authority. And we can't function without that guru. The other thing cults have in common is legalism. It's a works-based salvation. And it comes in the form of we have to listen to this guru leader to get truth. And we have and or 
somebody is some type of a modern prophet. We have to be careful about looking to one man to save our church, to save our family, to save our neighborhood, to save our nation, to save the world. We must look to Jesus Christ. And you only follow me as much as I follow the Lord. And you be like the Bereans and you be as, as noble as that. And you go through the scriptures and make sure that what is, I am saying is so. Because the authority isn't the men who preach from this pulpit. The authority is the word of God. And by the way, don't expect me or Brother Kelly or Brother Tom to get it 100% right 100% of the time. We're frail men that don't have all of the answers. We don't. I don't. I tell parents all the time. Yes. We raised kids. We're raising kids. We have a lot of experience. But I don't have all the answers. I don't. I can say this is what we did. Here's how it went. This is what we didn't do. Here's how we think it went. If we would have did what we thought we should have done after we look back and hunt. Nobody knows the answers. You got to trust God. And follow his principles. And then at the end of the day, people have to make their own decisions. So cults have extra biblical authority. They're very steeped in legalism. The other mark of a cult is there's never any assurance for you. There's never an assurance of what's going to happen. Circumstances change all the time. Life changes all the time. And for this reason, cult leaders, they always are able to produce more obligation from their converts. I am telling you on the authority of the Bible. You, if you are saved, born again, child of God, you have assurance of your salvation. You are not of this world. This world is not your home. You are a pilgrim. You have a blessed hope. And you have a home in heaven and you can be assured of your salvation. Don't look to me for assurance. Look to the word of God for it. And if you're not saved, you don't have hope. You don't have an insurance. And we can show you right now today how to have. That's our message. They have no assurance. The other thing is cults. They're always on a new discovery and there's always a special revelation that's going to come out. <laughs> you want to know truth? Hello. You want to know end times? Hello. And then the last one is they have a false view of Christ. They use the Bible and they take it out of context. Look, I voted for Trump. I'm not ashamed to say it. But when he starts to try to quote the whole Bible thing, it doesn't do it for me. When he has a spiritual pastor or leader and it comes out, it's a woman in the name of Paula White and she's doing her wacky stuff online i just what are you doing i'm never probably ever going to have the opportunity to sit down with mr trump but if i do i'm going to try to help him understand the bible a little bit <laughs> i mean I, I, can i can i get a can i get a witness is what they say in some churches can i get a witness and you say amen amen we want we want jesus to be magnified all right couple of more practical things and then we'll start to wind down steps false teachers take in a church they try to influence a new convert so his confidence in a good bible church and good preaching is destroyed 
And then once they do that, then they start their aggressive courting of you or whoever it is that they're trying to pull away. Number three, then it will start with their vast knowledge of how they can impress you with things that your pastor just doesn't know and your church family just doesn't know. And if you only knew, you know what that ends up in? You needing them to think. <laughs> you know what that is ultimately? Roman Catholicism. Take away the Bible. And then the man in the Halloween costume is where you will get your authority. from. That's all it is. And you know what we say as Bible believers? We're going to stand up here and you know, we'll have our costume on. I mean. I, I think I would preach the same if I was in blue jeans, but, you know, they tell me that this, you know, look, we don't get any spiritual power from a suit and dress shoes and a tight clip. But, OK, we've got our costume on and our suit on. You don't need me, but the church did give us pastors and teachers. So, OK, I'm going to teach you. Believe this. Don't believe me. <laughs> Follow this, because if you follow me too close, you're going to find out I'm not that great of a guy to begin with. <laughs> Why? Because we've all sinned. We've all sinned. I want to try to be an example. What I'm saying is, don't listen to my word as authoritative. Listen to the word of God as authoritative. That's our authority. Paul, oh, last thing they do is, you're going to end up with, and this is where Paul's dealing with these guys. They're going to come into the church after they've done those three steps. Now it's going to be, here's your list of do's and don'ts. And this is exactly where Paul is ending up with these Galatians. And he's trying to address their, look, you guys keep giving me this list of do's and don'ts. You've been justified by faith. So now that false teacher, you've got to go to him to get your updated list. Can I go here? Can I go there? Can I read this? Can I read that? I believe the King James Bible is the word of God. I believe in God's promise that he would inspire and preserve his word. And we can hold it in our hands and each and every one of us can read it and believe it. I'm not threatened one bit if somebody wants to read uh, two foot of books about modern versions. I'm not threatened in one bit. Go read them. I got some books on it. It is not my job to tell you, oh, don't read this. I'll read it. It's not my job to say, you got to come here. You're held captive here. No. You can go visit another church and you'll see whether these things are so or not. And Paul is trying to get them to understand what the legalistic Judaizers are trying to do. And he gives them their end goal. And so look at the end of verse 17, that ye might affect them. He wants you to seek after them with questions. Can I do this? Can I do that? Will I lose my salvation for this? Will I lose my salvation for that? Ready for one more verse? One more verse and we're done. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And not only when I am present with you. You see how powerful Paul qualifies all the questions that they're going to be asking off of verse 17. 
Go back to 15. He's, it's kind of the cross-reference at least here. He says, where is then this blessedness you spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Well, wait a minute. He just got telling them how zealous they were affected toward him. So watch what he watch how he qualifies this. He says, but it is good to be zealously affected. He tells them, look, but I got to be honest with you guys and I got to be upfront and totally transparent. It's a good thing. It's OK. It's not wrong to be zealous and it's not wrong to be zealously affected. There's nothing wrong at all with seeking advice out from someone. Paul is not trying to squash zealous affection. If I need help with something, I'm going to call Kelly up. If I have a question about something, if I need to understand something, what's going on with the, with the Sunday school class, I'm going to call Sister Carolina. I'm going to get some help. Raising kids, parents are going to call each other up. Hey, how are you dealing with this? What about this? There's nothing wrong, and Paul qualifies this with zealous affection and going to people. He says that's a good thing. Watch the way he qualifies this even more firmly. What does he say? But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. You see that word always? And then he says, and not only when I am present with you. He's always a step ahead and he anticipates what they're going to say. So he says this. Do it always and don't worry about me being there. You see how Paul takes himself out of it? Because he doesn't want them thinking that this motive is about him. And he tells them basically <coughs> that your identity your identity isn't in me, fellas. It's healthy. It's good to be zealously affected in a good thing. And by the way, not only when I am present with you, I don't have to be there. I don't have copyrights to zealous affection. Paul says, I am not against anybody ministering and I am not against anybody serving as long as it's healthy and it's a good thing. Paul is not trying to dominate people. He is not trying to get the people to think that he is the only one with the truth. Now, kids, in case you're in case you're wondering, this is my last full page of notes. Unless I know you're hungry for lunch and then I take my time. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Here's what I want to end with. Are you guys seeing? I know we didn't get far past two verses, but you guys. Are you picking up what I'm putting down as far as what Paul is trying to get them to see and how they're going to be moving backwards? I want us to be careful of the way we serve God. Because sometimes the way that we serve keeps we keep ourselves in control. What do you mean by that? We choose whom we're going to serve with. We choose where. We choose how. We tend to keep ourselves in control. But Jesus called us to be servants. 
and we make the choice to serve Christ, we give up the right to be in charge. And when we choose to follow Jesus Christ, this choice, it gives us freedom in Christ. And some of us know all these principles we spoke up to about now, except sometimes we say we're, we're in Christ and we're Christians, yet we ourselves control ourselves. And we don't fully submit to allowing Jesus Christ to be the one who is in charge of the reins. Instead, we are. I was debating going out downtown on Friday. It was cold. It was sleeting. Am I in control or is in Christ in control? Look, I'm not saying if you go downtown, Christ isn't in control of your life. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is my specific situation and what I was wrestling with was how I wanted to serve instead of, wait a minute, shouldn't I just allow Christ to control and lead rather than me? I can talk myself out of a lot of things and use Bible for it. <laughs> and so can you. Wives can talk yourselves out of a lot of reasons to not be nice to your husbands and have Bible to back it up in your mind. Husbands do the same thing. We need to be careful that we don't actually control ourselves. When we become available to serve Jesus, we also become vulnerable. Availability in the body of Christ does equal vulnerability. We lose, we must lose our fear of being stepped on. We must lose our fear of being manipulated. We must lose our fear of being taken advantage of. These are all the things that human beings are afraid of. And they don't want to put themselves in a position of weakness and have to suffer through those things. And so we say, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to kind of control the way that I serve you. And these fears hold us back. God says, if you want to serve me, be all in. If you're so controlled by your fears, we're not fully trusting God. Now, I'm preaching that message to me as much as I'm preaching it to you and as much as I'm preaching it to whoever's listening out on the Internet land. Who do we serve? Jesus. If we do, let's not give ourselves what is our motive. Let's not give ourselves a list of do's and don'ts the same way we just railed. We just nailed all of the legalistic stuff, man. We just hammered it. Now it comes to us and say, Lord, help us to not do what we don't like that these legalistic Judaizers are doing. Lord, please help me to not give myself a list of do's and don'ts so that I'm in control instead of you. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.